0: Hi everyone and welcome to the podcast Under the Stairs. This is episode 317, I'm your host Duncan McLeish, welcome to the show. Up on this episode we are starting a 10 part series every Monday now for the next 10 weeks, obviously 10 part series on Dexter New Blood, the return of the iconic character to the TV waves. Some what eight years since the finale, which left a lot of fans dumbfounded, despondent, angry. I think is probably the key, the key word there. Uh, yeah, so we are we are going to be doing a review of each episode each week on the Monday for the next 10 weeks which means i know what you're thinking you're saying duncan that means are we going right through christmas well if the show goes through christmas we'll go through christmas and um, so i will break a tradition in order to do that and still have these episodes out for you i won't be doing anything else over christmas but if dexter plays then we'll be doing it. i'm kind of hoping they do a little pause over christmas because that would make me happy but you can never tell um it's back on showtime And uh, in the UK it's on Sky, I think it's Sky Atlantic or whatever the TV station that used to be Sky Atlantic was. And yeah, we're going to get into it after the first break as well as a kind of catch up as to what Dexter actually means to me. How I perceive its importance and not only the kind of the wave, the golden era of TV so to speak, but just in general the the rising interest in true crime and horror just across the board we are going to be uh we're going to be getting into that after the first break before we get to that as always let's catch up with where we are under the stairs tons of stuff to talk about if i'm honest my dear friends and listeners out there um we are in a busy week overall it starts here on thursday we will be announcing the results of the listener votes for the people's council choices for summer series so you get to find it how that list scored from your very own words, buttons, scoring, that sounds better, let's go with scoring from your very own scoring ladies and gents and then on Sunday, Sunday, Sunday we continue our look at the Italian collection from 88 Films, so that is your lineup here. On the t Putts Collective, we have just dropped a brand new episode of Where To Begin With. Before the week is out, you'll get a brand new episode of Opera Omnia, looking at The Girl With The Dragon Tattoo, the next stop in our Fincher filmography. And in close proximity to that, probably about the week after, you'll be getting the next installment of Doing The Nasty. So that's you, all caught up. There is going to be a ton of stuff between now and officially when we close the doors, podcast under the stairs just keep your eyes peeled the best way to keep up to date with everything we're doing is on the facebook page facebook.com forward slash grips forward slash t cast right i'm going to take a short break you are going to hear promos for shows that i love you're going to hear the teaser trailer for episode number one of the new mini series for dexter new blood i'll be back to discuss a little bit about dexter and that episode right after this
1: hello this is the doom show keep on keeping on and keep on trucking america we don't listen to our feedback because we don't get any (laughs) (laughs) the truth hurts i just alienated the two people that give us constant feedback sorry guys (laughs) that's gotta go (laughs) that's gotta go in there so on the show uh we talk about giallo movies and slasher movies and cult movies sometimes we even talk about cameron mitchell and his movies I am Richard, who are you? I am Brad, the guy that's not Richard, or Jeffrey, or Simon. That's right, we have four people, and we always talk at once, except to each other. Jeffrey lives up north, Simon lives across the world, Richard lives in Penis, Alabama hello this is the doom show is a proud member of the legion podcast network check out the other shows on legionpodcast.com you can check out more hello this is the doom show at hellodoomshow.podomatic.com or at doommoviethon.com check for our amazon exclusive hello this is the doom show cookbook do you like hot dogs (laughs) we got them do you like mac and cheese we got it do you like cheddar we have it Actually, we don't. No, no cheddar. Just Colby. Colby Jack. Hello, this is the Doom Show. We never gave up on you, because you never gave up on us. Wow. So, how are you feeling right now? Well, it's been a whirlwind. I've always had my demons, and so I went away. What's up, Jumbo? Hey, Mr. Lindsay. But sometimes, I have an urge too strong to ignore.
0: Oh, <laughs> Who is he there?
1: What, is the a problem? I kind of have a thing about blood. Every day, I walk through this world, faking it. Knowing if someone knows who I am, that's it.
0: In. And welcome back, so you just heard that little teaser into the first episode, first of 10 episodes under the moniker Dexter New Blood. Now it's interesting, this one's been classed as a mini-series, and uh, for those out there that remember, Dexter used to be 12 episodes long, and at 10 episodes of Chopped 2 off, I don't know how many that makes it, but ostensibly they are pivoting and uh, marketing this as a standalone one-off and we'll see if that happens um i can't imagine if this is hugely successful they don't do another one unless they have something written at the end that makes it impossible to carry on time will tell its early days now i'm a massive fan of dexter like i imagine a lot of you guys listening out there are as well um had a huge impact on me not only when the tv show started but i was a massive fan of the books um i have given away god knows how many books i own but i always keep pride of place my hardback dexter novels always been a, a a massive fan um my three dogs that I have are all named after characters from the books and subsequently the TV show in Dexter, Dukes, and Harry. Um, that's kinda that's kinda its importance to me. And for the longest period of time, it was a TV show which crossed boundaries. It got people that generally wouldn't watch things of a darker, more disturbing and horrific nature into watching them through its dark comedy. And for those that were marginally obsessed, it's probably the right word, in true crime and serial killer trivia. um, Something to watch, which you could point out various bits and bobs that were linked to to true crime events. It was a cultural phenomenon for the longest time. Um, The show ran over eight years, so eight seasons. And, I mean, it's hard to argue that its peak was the midway mark. Season 4 is still heralded as, you know, one of those kind of standout seasons of TV. Mostly because of the villain, the big bad for the season, who was played by John Lithgow, who was a Trinity killer. Um, and his kind of play off Dexter. And also, it's kind of jaw-dropping, like, nihilistic cliffhanger, which was fucking soul-destroying um so yeah and the show never really managed to reach those kind of lofty heights after it but i think people are really easy to dismiss some of the villains that you got afterwards i thought some of them were pretty fucking good if i'm honest um russian mobsters aside i enjoyed johnny lee miller as a villain i thought he was very very good at what he did um and the thing that made the show so interesting was the the balancing act, the delicate balancing act that the show had to do between a character who clearly couldn't control or struggled to control his um, inhibitions and his, his penchant for murder against his relationships and trying to keep that mask of normalcy to the outside world. And you kind of got invested with him as a character. Interestingly enough, in the books, they're kind of very cold. Dexter doesn't have much personality in the novels, but in the TV show with the cast of Michael C. Hall, who had recently come off a fucking murderer's row of awards for the outstanding HBO show Six Feet Under, um, it was kind of... It was an interesting casting choice, but when you saw that first episode, you were in. And he always seemed to have a great way of balancing the dark comedy and the dark violence on screen in a way that made me very happy. Now, the TV show deviated very quickly from the books, even though the first book and the, you know, pilot TV series, the the first episode, kind of fell in line. Season one, though, started to deviate pretty quick. Um, Certain characters lived that shouldn't have lived... Um, and uh, other characters that die on TV remained in the books. And as a result, that diversions kind of continued, although they always linked up with specific things. So if you've never seen Dexter before, then one, why are you listening to this? That was a bad idea. Um, but if you've never seen it before, essentially what you're following is a character called Dexter Morgan, who is in the original eight series, that you got of the TV show is a forensic blood spatter analyst who works for the Miami, it was Miami Police Department. And what he did in that role was he essentially went into crime scenes and from the blood splatter he would be able to extrapolate how someone died. And he did this because he had a really great understanding of blood. The reason behind that is he is a serial killer. So. That's your tying. Um He was found, uh, you find out in the first season, he was found in a storage container uh, that his mother had been murdered in, and he pulled off blood. And this has kind of got into him, and that traumatic event had basically turned him into a killer. But he was adopted by the police officer that found him, and the police officer that found him, Harry Morgan, um, gave him this code to this code to live by because he started to track that Dexter maybe had some of these uh, traits that would lead him to be a serial killer so gave him the code the code of Harry which basically gave him a stringent series of rules that he needed to follow not to get caught uh, but ultimately if he had to kill someone he should kill someone who was worthy of dying i.e someone who had murdered so he only killed murderers so that was your twist like i say in the books that was a kind of cold character to follow and you mostly followed it through his inner monologue in the tv show you still got said inner monologue but there was a lot of humor kind of at show with the character um had its quirky moments for sure everyone agrees that like i said earlier that the show started to take a a bit of a nosedive after season four but it did manage to to still enthrall until its final season I think that's when it lost some people will say season 7 is when it really started to lose people I was still in with it it was awkward to watch in scenes but season 7 I thought held it together for the most part uh, season eight's when the, the wheels uh, came off the buggy and it left an ending which I, I mean it's still classed as one of the worst endings in TV history And I was always marginally forgiven of it, if I'm honest, because I just don't know. Very similar to The Sopranos, how do you finish that TV show and make everyone happy? There are only certain outcomes that you can have. One of them is that Dexter is captured for the killer he is and goes to prison. That's not going to make a lot of people that are invested in that character happy. The second one, Dexter gives his life. To save someone. Thus redeeming himself. Kind of also feels a bit flimsy. Should he be a redeemable character ever. Um, Or he gets away with it. And goes somewhere else. To continue the killing spree. And that's the road they went down. But the avenue they took to get there. Was fucking dumb. It really, 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 really was dumb. And yeah. He fakes his own death by... You're driving his boat out the Miami dock into a hurricane or tornado, and then the last shot we saw of him was um, he was a lumberjack living alone, and that was stupid. That was absolutely hellishly stupid. Um, The character of Dexter had an inner voice, and that inner voice was always portrayed by Harry his adopted father, who died when he was young. And I can't go into all the details of all the seasons. You need to kind of go and watch it for yourself. And actually what's interesting is the new season, New Blood, it is touching on things in that first episode, but it ain't saying previously on Dexter. It's not doing that. It's just kind of saying, you know, you if we're assuming if you've hit play on this one, you either don't care what we did in the previous eight seasons, or... You've watched them all and you're ready to rock and I appreciate that for sure. Um, so his inner voice was Harry, played by James Remar in a great role who's not back in this season playing his inner mono. Well, his inner voice is his companion, his better half, his rational self, so to speak. He also had a sister who worked with the Miami Police Department, Deborah. Uh, Deborah was a great colourful character played by Jennifer Gardner, um, who actually married Michael C. Hall, the actor that plays Dexter. I think they were married for like a year, and then that marriage dissolved pretty quickly, and then for some reason the writers of the TV show tried to make her fall in love with him, which was real fucking dumb. It was one of those things where you're like, "Uh, this may be where this show is getting really bad. This might be the catalyst, for why it's getting really bad, Deborah ultimately died at the end of episode eight (spoiler alert) from a show that finished in 2013, and um, yeah, she she but well, she was in a coma and Dexter unplugged the 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 monitors and the life support system, thus killing her, and then dumped her body in the water as he travelled into a Hurricane. Once again, shitty fucking ending. But yeah, uh, Deborah is returning. In this season, replacing James Remar as essentially Dexter's inner voice, so that's that's why she is back on screen. But there isn't really any other cast kind of paying over into this one as of yet. The word on the street, i.e., the magazines and websites, are that John Lithgow will make an appearance as either a flashback or a, a kind of a voice in his head of the Trinity Killer. Somewhere in this season, somewhere in the 10 episodes, we'll be getting a little bit of that, which makes me very excited because I want that. I love John Lithgow as a villain. He's one of my favourite villains. Blowout is one of my favourite movies of all time by Brian De Palma and John Lithgow is a big part of that. So yeah, I'm very excited to see how that goes in. But yeah, so the TV show finished with Dexter as a lumberjack true story and uh, yeah we've now transported 10 years into the future and we're joining Dexter Morgan um, or as he's now known uh, James Lindsay or Jim Lindsay which I imagine is a play on Jeff Lindsay the author of the novels so like the Dexter novels that was his name so I imagine that's a little nod and a wink to him and this is based on his character so I don't know how much involvement he's had with anything in this series Out with, I imagine a massive royalties check for use of the character and his likeness um so it's probably a great PD, considering Jeff Lindsay himself finished the Dexter novels a couple of years ago now as well. So I ain't been any of that content out for a while. So that is you all kind of caught up with the actual story. To me, like I say, it was a big it was a big thing for me. I've been since I was a young and kind of obsessed with true crime and serial killers. I love a true crime documentary. Um, my favourite podcast is Last Podcast on the Left which is surprised no one have been listening to them since 2012 and yeah anything they ever do about serial killers has my attention on full uh and in this household I will regularly anything to do with killers or true crime um I will watch I'll prioritize almost above horror that's that's how much I dig it um something about the 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 capacity for evil that humans have that is like infinitely fascinating to me and will always have like a huge part of my interest. So the TV show itself, I, I kinda adored it. I thought, yeah, definitely lost its way by the end. I'm with you, the ending was real shitty. I don't think it was the worst TV ending I've ever fucking seen in my life. Let's 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 be real here. There has been worse things out there. At least they got to finish the story arc, as dumb as it was. A lot of TV shows get cancelled and you're left on awful cliffhangers. So at least you got that. I think its importance can't be understated though because, like I said before, it got a lot of people watching and rooting for a killer. I can't imagine, an in any world that Dexter doesn't exist that you get a TV show like Hannibal which is like legitimately one of my favourite TV shows ever made I just don't see that happening I also don't see you getting as much of the violence Dexter really was quite gruesome in parts and really kind of raised the bar for what you could get away with on TV and then a lot of shows kind of followed suit. so it's very important that way I think it's a great gateway For people that weren't interested in darker shit to get into darker shit and then to pay over to watching horror movies. I think that was a a natural progression for, for people that had a passing interest, for sure. And I also think it allowed TV showrunners to get a bit edgier. So, like TV shows like The Following don't exist in a world where Dexter wasn't as popular. So, um, And that was a great TV show for the most part. But there's been plenty of other ones out there that have tried to do the formula of Dexter, just not being able to do it all that well. Hugely important TV show. So, right, we have, we have packed that in there. Now, I am going to be honest with you and upfront, this is a spoiler review, ladies and gents. So, if you have not seen episode number one of New Blood the mini-series, Dexter, then uh, hit stop, go away and check it out, come back and listen to my thoughts, because we're getting into it in 3, 2, 1. So episode number 1 is called Cold Snap. Um originally aired November the 8th, 2021. It's directed by Marco Sega, who cut his teeth. Um, on Dexter, way back in the day, uh, the early early seasons, he'd been involved with that, and he did a few different seasons, a couple of episodes, uh, casually throughout the seasons. So he's he's back in a kind of directing position for this episode. Um, it's of course based on the Dexter novels by Jeff Lindsay. However, the story this time is by Clyde Phillips, who's a hugely important person in um, the the kind of Dexter story arc. Mostly because he was involved with what people conceive as the good shit from Dexter and when he left that's when a lot of people felt that the TV show kind of started to slowly tumble down. He was a producer back then and he's, he's doing his thing as the showrunner this time as well as doing the story. He's joined by Adam Rapp who also worked on the story for this one. The episode itself stars Michael C Hall reprising his role as Dexter Morgan, or in this TV show, Jim Lindsay. Uh, But we have um, Jack Alcott, who we're going to get to him in a minute. We have Julia Jones, Johnny C. Sequoia, uh, Alo Miller, Jennifer Carpenter, Frederick Lehaney, David Magadoff, Kathy Sullivan, Michael Cyril Creighton, Giselle Jimenez. Steve M. Robertson, uh, Charlie Thurston, Kimi Ann Dunn, Oscar Wahlberg, David J. Curtis, Barry Robinson and Dustin Tucker. Um, A lot of these people, new faces in here for sure. Um, The synopsis for this one is listed on IMDb is, for the past decade, Dexter has been living in a small town life with a new identity. When a local hotshot behaves recklessly and a stranger appears, he questions whether he can suppress the murderous urgings of his dark passenger. So yeah, in this TV show, we are very quickly introduced to um, Jim, or James, uh, Jim Lindsay, uh, who works in the local hunting store selling knives and guns to people that come up for hunting season primarily. He is in a relationship, because Dexter's always in a relationship, because you kind of need that beard if you're going to be a normal person. He's in a relationship with Julia Jones's character, Angela, who is the chief of police. So still kind of keeping close to the police. So there's a little tie in there from kind of the previous stuff. He lives alone, though, in a cabin out in the middle of nowhere. And he shares his uh, cabin with the the voice that he has in his head, um, this time played by Jennifer Carpenter as his sister, Deborah Morgan, who is kind of here replacing the James Remar Harry character. But she seems to have a more calming effect on him, primarily because she is willing him to not kill. Whereas... In a lot of respects, James Remar was making sure that when Dexter did, he obeyed the code. In the case of this one, Deborah is is kind of reassuring him to stick to a routine, toe the line, he's done really, really well, do not break, do not, you know, do not become the man you were. If anything, stay true. You know what happens when you kill people. Um, the only way you can stay free and alive is by not murdering. So that's kind of her role in here. Um tons of other characters. We're going to get to them very soon. Uh, but essentially, this first episode, like I say, sees Dexter some 10 years on. He is in a small town. Everyone knows him. He still has, like, a lot of the same traits that he had when he lived in Miami. He brings pastries to work to his boss. Um... That's like, you know, that's a direct reference back to him bringing donuts into the, into the, the police department. So I like that those things carry through. So there, there's a bit of that. The, the, I suppose the big thing before we start talking about story here, the first thing that kind of stood out to me is the iconic score isn't in this at all until the very end. Also, his inner monologue isn't there until the end and we will touch on that for sure but those were the first two things that really stuck out to me is like the inner Dexter monologue is kind of synonymous with the TV show it's kind of how you always get the feel and the vibe of what he is actually thinking and that's what made the the mask that he wore that veneer so interesting because he would be maybe smiling and nodding but the inside voice that he was hearing and was his thoughts and we d- we don't have that connection straight away um, he, like I said before he's, he's kind of he goes out and pretend hunts in the morning as a way to kind of quell some of that desire and he's kind of stalking this white buck which he'll never shoot but he'll get close to doing it all the time and like I say, works in a in a store that sells guns, knives, etc., we join them right at the beginning of what is hunting season in this small town. So, a lot of rich, quote unquote, assholes from outside come up there to their winter homes and, you know, will stock up and go away and hunt whatever they hunt. And um, this is kind of where we start off with the the kind of the story of dexter so to speak as he's holding this this fine line of civility um it's on a razor's edge but he seems to be seems to be relatively in control until he meets a character called matt caldwell he's the son of a very wealthy um I imagine, man of importance for the town, who we've not met yet, who is played by Clancy Brown, so very excited about that. But, Matt Caldwell arrives with his buddy, he's a total dickhead, he wants the, you know, the the most expensive overkill weapon to go hunting, he gets a knife and he's pretending to be all dickish in front of Dexter with it, you know, waving it about the place. Um, And there's some great dialogue, Dexter kind of leaning into the fact that he doesn't like blood, which Matt obviously takes as uh, him being squeamish. And uh, the first kind of bone of contention is that when he tries to buy the gun and Dexter runs a background check on him, he's flagged for some reason, which means he can't get anything until he passes his 24 hour check. And this Matt Caldwell's not used to being told no, so he's being very prickish about it. It's kind of pushing Dexter's buttons. Dexter's not getting involved, though, because he's a lot smarter than that. So that's kind of their first interaction. They will interact throughout this episode quite a bit. The next thing to note in the episode is, like I say, he's in a relationship with Angela. She is the chief of police in this small town. The squad appears to be not used to dealing with things like murder. Uh kind of reminded me a lot of Hot Fuzz, you know, um, where, like, I think one of them... I think the Angela's first call that she gets is to... Uh, some sheep have went into a neighbour's farm and started eating things, so she's going to get called to that. So it reminded me of the, you know, the, the the swan or the goose in Hot Fuzz that escapes that it has to, to track them so it was, I was a bit kind of tongue-in-cheek but the rest of them are someone's hunting stolen pies one cop's not doing anything because he's had his wisdom teeth removed it's very it's off the grid and it's a, a town that's not used to crime which is the perfect place if you're a serial killer to lie low because no one's ever going to you know no one's going to be searching the FBI's top 10 most wanted and Dexter's not going to be on it anyway you know he managed to managed to get away still unknown as the the bay harbour butcher as he was known in the in the old uh, tv show in the original run so he's got away from that um the there is something in the background which is obviously going to become more important but we only get a glimpse of it in this episode a series of missing girls that are kind of festooned along this board that Angela herself as the chief of police seems to be haunted by and there's no evidence these girls have just gone missing um and this is something that he's obviously you know Dexter is kind of of taking a casual interest in and I think that's going to be the big story arc in this one from what I've heard Clancy Brown is the big bad in this one so I think he's obviously related to that and I get the feeling and this is me linking back to true crime there's kind of shades of uh, robert Hansen in this one um robert Hansen was a serial killer in alaska who hunted prostitutes um out in the cold and uh, but he hunted them for sport essentially and uh, there's a terrible movie i can't remember what it's frozen ground i think it's called which has um nicolas cage And John Cusack, where John Cusack plays Robert Hansen. And it's one of the most painfully boring serial killer movies I've ever seen. But that's what I'm getting. I'm getting shades of kind of Robert Hansen-esque, you know, this guy's kidnapping women, maybe hunting them for sport. Because they are the most dangerous game, after all, ladies and gents. So you have that. Also in the background, there is a kind of a story about this Matt Caldwell guy. That he was involved in some boating accident a few years before and it had killed some people but he'd been cleared of it he wasn't driving the boat and everything's been fine but dexter seems to take a bit of an interest in this and obviously this dark passenger in the back of his brain is starting to get his little spidey sense is starting to tingle uh, as if to say well this guy's you know clearly evil and he's a murderer we just need the proof before we can act because that is the code of Harry. You can't kill them until you got the proof that they're a killer. So he's got this in the in the back of his head. There's other things kinda happening in the background as well. Um, there's a kinda hooded figure that seems to be following Dexter around the place and making him very kinda, very concerned. And he doesn't know if it's someone real or if he's imagining this. And Deborah isn't much help either, as he's kind of inner voice, he's psyche. Uh, Frederick Lenny is playing a character called Edward, who appears to be some local oil baron uh, who the Thames people hate. We just got a passing view of him as a character. Uh, Michael Cyril Creighton is a guy playing Fred Jr., who owns the hunting store. Once again, we don't really get much information about him. Uh, Johnny Sequoia uh, plays the daughter of Angela. Her character is called Audrey. Uh, Audrey, sorry, it was or- can't say it. Audrey. Um, we don't get much of her at the moment. We do get introduced to a kind of a, a girl who's passing through called Lily, played by Kimmy Ann Dunn, who I imagine is going to be a victim of this kind of Robert Hansen-esque killer somewhere down the road. Uh, just her setup feels like she's going to be kind of meat for the beast. And, yeah, so we kind of follow this through. We're going to link back to Jack Alcott's character at the end and tie up his story arc um, for this episode. But the the big thing is um, this Matt Caldwell character is, you know, on Dexter's radar. Um, eventually, he gets cleared to, to, you know, purchase the gun and Dexter is told to drop the gun off at his big, massive snow mansion, which he drives up to. Um, he has a, a friend who's been kind of ribbing a lot, played by Charlie Thurston, who's a character called Bill Harris. And when Dexter arrives, Matt's upstairs getting on with a bit of the riding. And um, Dexter ends up chatting to this Bill character, who's fucked out his face on coke. And he lets it slip in the conversation. Actually... Matt was responsible for the boat accident. In fact, he was playing chicken and when the other guy backed out, he still drove his boat into the other person's boat, killing five people and Bill lied on the stand to let him off and obviously that, you know, interests Dexter somewhat. So we have that kind of going on in the background as well. Um, And he's a right dick to Dexter. To be honest, like... After like spending five minutes with Steve Robertson's character of Matt Codwell, I wanted to kill him as well. <laughs> so, like really, really, really badly. And I think what is kind of really one of the one of the big selling points for this episode for me was you couldn't hear Dexter's inner monologue because you just know it would have been full of, well, this guy has to die. Um and Dexter himself knows that this guy' is pushing him. This guy is pushing him. And he's he's trying everything in his might to stop it. So we're gonna link back to the Matt Caldwell situation and how this ends. Um after we talk about Jack Alcott's character. So the, the person wearing the hood that shows up on his uh was following him, shows up in his property and Dexter interrupts him and it's revealed as Harrison Morgan. Now, this is Dexter's kid um as surviving son from his marriage with rita the character who died at the end of season four at the hands of the trinity killer are you following all this people um and once again one of the reasons i kind of disliked season eight was dexter actually sent harrison who was still just a little baby away to live with um this character called hannah It was a really interesting character in season eight. Hannah was a a person who poisoned people. She was also a killer um, who poisoned people, but Dexter kind of forgave her and ultimately felt that his son would be better in a loving relationship with Hannah as a kind of quasi-foster mother than it would be with him on the run. And... I, I I don't think Hannah was ever aware that she was going to be left with this kid, um, but that's essentially how this this finished. And so Harrison shows up. He's digging through the paperwork. Dexter catches him. Um, Harrison asks him, "Are you Dexter Morgan?" And Deb's appears. And this is a fucking great scene. This is weird. De- this is what what is exciting me about this this new miniseries. Like Deb appears and she. Rem- rem- Basically that says, listen, you cannot let him in, you can't, everyone who cared about you or anyone that you, uh, got too close to you died, and she starts rhyming off the names from the original run, once again grounding it to that, you know, those eight those eight seasons, Um, and she goes through dokes and La and you know, she comes to herself and she, as a ghost, lifts up our top and we see the bullet hole of where she was shot, and once, it, so this TV show isn't steering away from season eight; it's steering into that, which I think is is good. i like I, as much as I hate season eight, I think I would hate it more if this new season just pretended that season eight didn't happen. You kind of have to live with your mistakes and move on with it. TV shows are at their best when they like take all that baggage on board and try and course correct, which is what they're doing here. So I I appreciate that. Um, Dexter lies even though Harrison claims that he looks very similar in his memories to what his dad looked like. And uh, Dexter gives him money, tells him to basically get out of town, and he's not his dad. The kind of end conclusion of this is, um, we'll get to it, Dexter is following his routine the following day. He sees the kind of white buck, and this time he actually gets up to it, and it kind of licks his hand, and there's this connection between the two, and I knew this was gonna happen from the moment Caldwell got his gun. Um the deer shot right in front of him, this blood spray goes over Dexter's face, this dickhead comes walking out going, whoa You know, I can't believe look at look at what well, I shot, I almost shot you. And um there's a couple of false things in this episode where Dexter hits Caldwell, but they're revealed as kind of waking dreams. And so when he hits him again as the audience, I mean, as the audience, you know, he's done it. But the the, the kind of idea behind it is we'll faked you twice. So this might be it again. But he actually hits him and knocks him out and decides at that point he's going to kill him. The, the mask is coming off. And like instantly, as soon as he does that, we get the inner monologue, right? And that comes back straight away. So it's like the mask is off. The Dexter of old is back. He instantly kicks into the Code of Harry, so he needs to make sure he covers his crime. So he slits the buck's throat. The blood spills down, covering the blood trail um, that we had for for Caldwell. And he builds a makeshift kill room. Um, he also sets up an excuse with Angela that he can't meet her because he foxed got in his henhouse, which would explain why he damages his henhouse and some of the mess, presumably. Um, and we get, like, the classic, you know, I'm going to take blood from you. I'm going to put it between two bits of glass as a slide. And th- this, I'll be honest, I got giddy like a schoolgirl when this scene come up. Because this is, like, Michael C. Hall is a fucking great actor. And, like, when he is on in this episode, he is fucking on. Like, he is terrifying. He's standing above him, you know, like, basically wants Matt Caldwell to admit to what he did. And he uses that kind of really evil voice that it does. You know, like, you got that in the very first episode. Actually, there's shades of the very first episode of Dexter in here where, you know, he captures the the pastor who... Or is it a Boy Scout leader, whoever it is, that was a paedophile who murdered these kids. And there's a bit where he, you know... He, he screams at him and you know, he tells him that he's going to cut his eyelids off his face and he has to admit what he's done. And you get that here and he, like, this Matt Caldwell still thinks he's maybe alright and then Dexter comes clean with him. He's a serial killer. Well, he was a serial killer. Nay, is a serial killer. And he gets him to confess to what he did uh, and then ultimately kills him and there's a bit of the goofy, there's a bit of comedy in here, like he, Dexter reverses the kind of, waving the nice, ooh, in his face, um. but it still stays relatively serious, ultimately he kills Caldwell, and, uh, as you know, follows his old pattern, he's going to dismember the body, he's got a, a fishing hole in the ice, that he's going to, you know, put the body parts down, um, and, you know, the Dexter of old is back, and, at this point, he decides he's going to go and pick up Harrison and bring him back and care for him um, and not send them off thinking that he's, he's not found his dad. And he goes away and does that. The episode ends with him getting Harrison back to his house, the camera panning away, and we see blood trails from where Dexter has carried the body parts. So he is sloppy. He has not covered his tracks like the Dexter of old would have. We also have like basically uh, Deborah um, going crazy at him, telling him, you know, he's he's ruined it, and uh, I imagine the fallout for that is going to be is is going to be righteous and loud. And that's the first episode. is about an hour in length. I thought this was fucking brilliant. Had a couple of things that maybe are inevitable with this TV show that they kind of had to do. The first one was I never realized how much I would miss the inner monologue. ...as much as I did and I understand why they did it but I do feel they missed a trick there. The fact that they brought it back at the end has kind of redeemed it for me though so whilst I was maybe unsure of some of it while I was watching it at the end I understand that's a smart choice. Um, you couldn't have brought James Remar back... To do the Harry role now, he's just too old. Um, and it wouldn't make sense. Whereas Jennifer Gardner is uh, Jennifer Gardner. Jennifer Carpenter, I think I've been saying Gardner all the way through this, by the way. Jennifer Carpenter um is, you know, she's still she hasn't aged that much at all. She's still a very pretty looking woman. So she is kind of great in this role as the kind of and she has to be. Like, who else are they gonna have to do it? So I like that choice as an addition. I'm not entirely sure if we need the Harrison character, so I'm interested to see what happens with that. I kind of feel that that's a... It was never a story art that I felt that I'd been cheated on, if I'm honest, so it's a weird choice to bring it back, but I imagine if they're doing that, they're doing it for good reason. And ultimately, I'm really interested to find out what's happening with the obvious serial killer that's killing women in the background that is inevitably gonna be on a crash course with Dexter. Somewhere in the season. So, yeah, I thought all that was, was kind of awesome. Um At the very end, you got the, the iconic kind of Dexter theme music, which made me very happy as well. And it kind of... This felt like a bit of a rebirth while still being ultimately true to the TV show that you've had. So... I'm excited about it, I I was excited when they announced they we were bringing it back, I've always been a huge fan, but there's always that weariness of, like, by fixing this you may fuck it up even more, and from the first episode that I'm in, I thought this was a great first episode, if I had to give it a score, I'd give it a 4.5 out of 5, um... For you know, with room for an episode somewhere in this season to take that five spot, thoroughly entertaining. I hopefully you guys enjoyed it as well. And I'm excited that we have another nine weeks of Dexter content, which I never thought we were going to get after 2013. I genuinely thought that was it, and we would just have to deal with it. Uh, and some of us would just check out after watching season 4 Some would check out after season 5 Some would check out after season 6 And most people checked out after season 7 and 8 So I'm kind of glad that they've, they've brought it back And with lots of scope to do lots of things here So yeah, um, super pumped about it Can't wait to do the next episode next Monday Right, I'm going to take my final break When I come back, I'm closing out the show And I'm doing it right after this <laughs> You're listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. And you've been listening to The Podcast Under The Stairs. This has been bonus episode 317. This has been the first of a 10-part series looking at Dexter, New Blood, the mini-series that has just started continuing the story of Dexter Morgan. Every Monday for the next 10 weeks, once again unsure if we're getting a break over christmas i will be here giving you my thoughts and a recap on the episode if you want to play along watch the episode before you listen to me talk about it it's as simple as that there's a multitude of ways to check out podcasts under the This wherever you're listening to us right now hit subscribe that way you get the shows as and when they drop and access to the entire back catalog of teapots content do not stop there though Check out our sister feed, The Tea Putts Collective, where you get shows like Where To Begin With, Opera Omnia, Doing The Nasty and Chronicle as well. You can subscribe to both those feeds and it supports what I do under the stairs. If you are a lazy biatch, you know you are sometimes a little bit basic. You can jump across to our website, teapotscast.com. Links to all the shows are there, as well as a link to Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts, a booze banter entertainment podcast featuring myself, The Baz, and Scott Liam from Scott Liam vs. Evil. We've been on a two-month hiatus. Don't hate us, because we're coming back this month. At the end of the month, you'll have a brand new Jaws is Shite for you, where we, like we do in every episode, get far too drunk. We talk about regrettable life decisions. We read weird news stories from around the globe and your listener emails as well. Jaws is Shite and other regrettable outbursts exclusively available on teapotscast.com. If you're on the Facebooks and you want to get in touch with me, facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash T-Putscast is the podcast under the stairs. t Collective is facebook.com forward slash T-Putscast and for all the mucky pups over at Jaws is shite, it is facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash a regrettable pod. For those that hate Facebook but love Instagram weird because they're owned by the same company, or maybe Twitter, as I like to dub them the twin prongs of social media sexiness, you can follow the podcast under the stairs by simply putting in at teapotscast. The podcast under the stairs returns for you on Thursday. On Thursday, we are bringing for you lovely people um, a, little, uh, a little reveal of the listings, the scoring of the summer series for the people council list you'll find out where they placed and that's when the fun begins because you can all call each other wrong and i can sit back rub my hands and enjoy the anarchy so that's coming thursday so until then wherever you are whatever the time zone is and what have you up to in this big bad world of ours please take care of yourselves out there this is duncan mcleish broadcasting live from under the stairs and i am signing off